Hi, and welcome to the Social Angle Podcast. I'm Vinny, and on this episode, I'm joined by social media expert Taylor Gaines for an important chat about social media managers. How important are they, and should your business have one? If your company is on social media, the answer might seem obvious, but Taylor, who's the CEO of a marketing agency called Social Gains, has some great tips and advice for struggling small businesses who can't afford one. Taylor Gaines, welcome to the Social Angle Podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Absolutely. So what's the weather like out in California today? Oh, man. Well, it's still bright and early, so it's uh, a little bit cool. It's like, I think, 45 right now, but it's going to get up to probably mid-70s today. So it's the classic, uh, you know, 72 and sunny. So I'm like, if you ask me that in three hours, I'll have a different answer. (laughs) Um, So we have a great podcast. We're going to talk about the importance of a social media manager for a business. Um, But before we get started, uh, can you tell us a little bit about you, your business, and how you got started in social media? Yeah. Oh man. I'm like thinking about the timeline. I'm like, it's been a wild ride these past eight, nine years. Cause I got my start in social media about nine years ago. I started working for a national advertising agency while I was still in college. Um, Started fairly young. So I was about 19 when I got into the business and just absolutely fell in love with advertising just because there's so many different facets to it. So I was trained across the board from uh, media buying, public relations, web design, package design, operations, copywriting, you name it. I kind of got a taste of everything. And then when the social media person had left, they were like, hey, we need someone, you know, to hop in and kind of fill this role. Can you can you do it? And I was like, let's go. So <laughs> hopped in and that really um, was the catalyst for almost the rest of my career from there. Uh, so really was responsible for building out the social media department almost in twofold. So, you know, on the on one side of it, I was responsible for developing and deploying all the social strategies for international consumer packaged goods companies and national grocery retail. But on the other side of it, because social, um, even in the early stages, we were recognizing how integrated it was into all the other facets of advertising. I was responsible for kind of setting up those communications between departments. Um, because before we even had the term, you know, influencer, people would be messaging us on Instagram, like, hey, I have a large following, like, can we, you know, feature you in exchange for like free product? And I was like, I mean, I don't really, I can't make that decision. So, you know, I'd go ask PR, I'm like, hey, someone's like asking for something. And I think that's your job, but I don't want to like step on any toes here. So, you know, it was kind of really the early stages of how do we set up these communications and, and really approach that. Um, and right from there, I went right into starting my own company and it's just been, you know, hustle and grind ever since. That's amazing. So you have your own business. Correct. So Social Gains is my company and the way that I position us is really a social first marketing agency because I'm sure as you see, like social runs the world today. Um, you know, we just saw the social dilemma that came out on Netflix and which is really baked in algorithms and how everything we see, touch, feel, all the things are controlled, you know, basically through the realm of social and the realm of digital. And so when, you know, I look at marketing today, I always have this philosophy that to be successful, you have to understand the intersection between technology, sociology, and business. And social, social media is very much rooted in all of those three facets. Definitely. Um, so how long have you had your business? been about, I think, eight years. I'm in like year oh, eight. Wow. 
um, it's year three for social gains. I've gone through the entrepreneurial evolution sure. of, you know, making all the early mistakes. So, <laughs> but that's another conversation. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, look, I've been doing this since 2009 and you can't succeed in social media unless you've got tons of mistakes. Um, you know, that's how you learn, you know, the experience. Um, so you certainly qualify, you know, this, this is a, a topic that I really want to talk about uh, because in my industry, you know, it's, it's important. It's an important topic to talk about. So speaking of, of when I first started in 2009 with social media, I think the mindset for businesses back then, that's 11 years ago, was just let the intern handle it, right? Um, you know, yeah. that, that was really the mindset. And I'm hoping businesses don't think like that anymore. But can you tell us, uh, you know, why the role of the social media manager is no longer one that should be taken lightly? Oh, absolutely. And I love this question because when I first started my company, you know, and you're interviewing with tons of people, right? You're trying to win business. The question I would get asked oftentimes is they're like, well, why should I hire you? Why can't I just have an intern do it? And I would be like, well, an intern isn't going to think strategically. They're there to just do a job. And I mean, I hate to say it, but sometimes they just don't care. Um, you know, an intern doesn't have the same level of investment that a business owner might have or that, you know, someone who's been in their job for a long time and is really going after maybe that promotion might have. There's different levels of commitment and investment in terms of how involved you are with the role. Um, and I've seen, you know, just monitoring all the all the news sites over the years, I've seen all the mistakes happen, right? Like we've seen when BlackBerry sent out a tweet and it said Twitter for iPhone. It's little details like that, that if missed, especially for big brands, can have a large impact. And so, you know, an intern doesn't bring that same level of business experience that, um, you know, someone who might have been around the block might have. However, you know, that's not to say an intern, you know, because they're, you know, oftentimes younger, that's kind of just obvious. They might have a little more technical knowledge than someone who might be more senior. But I think there's beauty in pairing those two things together, um, you know, especially today. I think that's a great point. Uh, you know, I, you know, as we evolve in the social media spectrum, um, interns, younger generation are definitely more tech savvy. Um, you know, they understand social media, but do they understand the mission of the brand? You know, I think that's where you have to get that intersection uh, clear. You know, the, if, if you have the interns doing it, which is okay, but I think they have to understand what the, the mission is of, of the company and how they can use social media to convey that mission. Um, so that said, so how important is input from executives and CEOs and the higher ups in the business uh, for the messaging of social media. Very important. Um, to me, the strategies and the tactics go hand in hand. You can't have one thing without the other. A simple example. So Facebook's been making so many changes to their platform. And there's two, I'd say, main changes, actually three main changes that they're really doing. So the first is they're improving the API front for mess Facebook Messenger, um, which obviously we know is already integrated through Facebook, but they're opening it up to Instagram and WhatsApp. So Facebook is trying to make moves to make it easier for businesses and brands to manage customer service operations all within the same message house. But within that, um, you can layer on chatbots, you can layer on you know, integrating e-commerce. There's a lot of things you can do within the Messenger platform. And if you really understand the inner workings of the tactics and the opportunities that can be derived from that, then you can really approach it strategically to say, is this something I can look at to either like decrease acquisition costs, improve um, you know, upselling and improve 
um, you know, the, the margin and the lifetime value I can make on a customer. So there's a lot of things you could think strategically just stemming from those tactics. The second update that I think is really important is Facebook um, is making a lot of changes to their brand, um, brand collaboration platform. So they're making making it easier for businesses to connect with possible influencers and being able to manage that in-house a little bit better. Um, and the third change is with their commerce platform. And this is one I've seen brands get wrong all the time um, because Facebook is its own ecosystem, but it's not the only ecosystem, especially when it comes to commerce, because then you have the Pinterest ecosystem, you have the Google ecosystem. And so if you're looking at it from a standpoint of like, I have my products and I've got certain distribution around that and I want to control it within certain ecosystems, but all the social platforms are trying to, you know, they're trying to keep your money, right? They want to keep it in house. They want to keep you on the platform. They don't want you to leave the platform. But the question is, are you set up and positioned to manage that across multiple different ecosystems if you're reaching customers across all those different channels? And so oftentimes that's really baked into the technical setup of what you're doing. So that's why I always bring it back into like, if you understand all of those tactics, like you don't need to know it in terms of like, what's the code behind it. But if you at least understand it on a high level to understand the representation that you have these different ecosystems that are competing against one another, then you can really understand like, well, where do we go from here? So based on the business objectives or what you're trying to, you know, set forth for that given year, given quarter, whatever it may be, um, you can really look at it from that standpoint of like, okay, how do, how do we approach this and what might we need to do technically um, or tactically to be able to achieve those goals. Definitely. You know, I think the role of the social media manager um, is one that absolutely needs to include um, keeping up to date with these technolog technological updates for the platforms, which, you know, seems to happen almost every day. So keeping, you know, some having somebody in place who really knows that I think is very, very important. Now that said, um, if a company is looking to to hire a social media professional, what should they be looking for on a resume? Yeah, that's a it's a great question. Um, I'm almost going to reverse it into the sense of they really need to get clear on what it is they're trying to accomplish. Because what I find is there's oftentimes a mismatch in expectation because someone might say, well, I want a community manager um, and, you know, someone who can is you know, bubbly friendly and can really engage with the community, but they might not understand that a lot of the tactics deployed across community management is baked into efficiency, moving towards automation, moving towards chatbots and um, those types of workflows. So if someone doesn't have that background or that ability to learn that, there's going to be a mismatch. They might be really, really strong in like conversation, hosting events and doing things like that, but they might be really weak in the technical side um, that's needed for the efficient management of like, especially if you're dealing with high volume, um, you know, being able to manage all that efficiently is is where there might be that mismatch. Um, same thing with content. Someone might be very, very strong graphically, but if you need AR filters built, you know, that's built through Spark AR Studio from Facebook, then they might not be able to execute it. So I think it's being very clear again with like what it is, like what what are you trying to get done? And then what are the skill sets that are gonna help get that done? That's a great point. I think, um, you know, it's not just enough for, um, you to hire somebody who uses social media, you know, what, you know, oh, I'm a big social media user. I use it personally all the time. I'm on all the networks. And I think 
a lot of times that's that's enough, you know, for, for so many people. Oh, they're familiar with the platforms. Um, you know, they use it for personal, but have they used it for business? You know, I think that's an important distinction. And are they up to date with trends? You know, do they understand the platforms, um, functionalities? Uh, you know, I think those are those are very very important questions to ask. If you're going to hire somebody, you have to really know what you're looking for them to do. You're saying on the resume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I mean, I think, you know, the job today doesn't need to be beholden to a single person. I almost think there needs to be strong collaboration across the role because you really do need all those different skill sets. Like I'm very tech savvy, but, you know, I'm limited if we start getting into data scraping and I can go down that rabbit hole of technology. But if we get into the engineering side of it, you know, I'm not an engineer. That's not my trade. Um, so I'll work with developers and say, here's what I need done. But God forbid you say jump in and do it. <laughs> I'm like, no. I'm like you. Um, you know, I'm I'm good technically, but when it gets to that point, I really, I, I have to have a team behind me. And it's a good point that you that you talk about. The social media manager needs to be more than just one person. I mean, it can be. You know, like I look around at these small businesses, um, you know, who you know, mom and pop shops who are doing the social media on their own. If they had one person helping out. You know, a social media manager. Sure, they could they could handle it on their own. But we're talking about bigger companies, bigger brands. There needs to be collaboration. For instance, my company. I don't know if you did research on us. We are, you know, I'm 48 years old. I've worked for a lot of businesses in my life. Never worked for a company as complex as the company I work for now. Like, you know, we're B2B. Um, you know, we we're a technology company. We're, we have sales. We have marketing. We have editorial. It. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts in my company. Um, and there's a lot of moving parts in a lot of different companies. So a social media manager really has to understand the companies, you know, the entire company, how it works, the ecosystem, and really be able to do social media relevant to what the company's needs are. Absolutely. So 2020, crazy year, <laughs> huh? Ooh, yeah. Budgets are very tight right now. If budgets exist at all, what would you say to any business um, who is – you know, thinking about hiring a social media manager, but really doesn't have the budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another great question. So I've been preaching to the choir for the past few years about time, money, resources. That's a topic that's super that I'm super passionate about because, in addition to being an expert in social media, I'm also a business owner. So those are things I'm looking at constantly. Like when I started my company, I had zero dollars. And so, you know, I was fortunate enough to have the social media skills. So I didn't necessarily need to outsource that role. But, you know, again, it was I had zero dollars. So what do I do? Um, So I'm very conscious about like time, money, resources, and where do you allocate that? And I, I roll that into like, again, what is the business objective you're really trying to accomplish? And if you can't do it all, like don't bite off more than you can do like pick one that you might be you know super focused on like for example if if you're in like b2b for example and you're like well i'm trying to increase my network so i can potentially have an increased pipeline and um you can say well linkedin's a great channel for b2b connections right you know maybe you focus your time on sending out connection requests setting up your meetings and it's just getting very strategic on like where do you spend that time um, when you have no money and sometimes it's just a matter of like just getting 
very habitual with it. And like, I put notifications on my calendar still to this day that remind me like, Hey, don't forget to do this today. Um, especially if it's not something that's natural for you. And so just saying like, all you need is five, 10 minutes a day. And if you are looking to hire someone and, and outsource anything, again, get very clear on like, what is that objective? What are the tactics that are needed to get there? And then put that person in the role. Okay. So, so you're saying if you, if you can't afford a social media manager, that's what you do. But if you can't afford one, you're saying that people can become them. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly believe that people can become them. Um, you know, my knowledge has all been acquired from Googling, reading, YouTubing and clicking on buttons. And so, you know, it, from my perspective, I look at it as I'm like, anybody can learn anything. You know, you just got to take the time and have the right mindset and, basically just take a deep breath and, you know, have the patience to figure it out. Um, now, that's not to say that applies to everyone. It's a pretty blanket statement, right? But if you can at least, like, listen to, listen to videos, like, let's say you're older and you're like, well, I really can't understand technology. Like, we just did a family Zoom call and watching my 90-something-year-old grandparents, you know, try to figure out Zoom was, was pretty funny. Um, but, you know, they had the help of my uncle who was there, like helping them out. So, you know, I think there's this element of, again, if you know where you're trying to go and, and you at least know that piece, then use use your network around you. If you're older, talk to your, you know, your kids, your grandkids, whoever that age group might be, or maybe it's your neighbor, um, you know, or a confidant and just say, hey, here's what I'm trying to do. Can you help me kind of understand what I need to do that could potentially help me get there? Yeah, I love that answer. Um, we are an industry of small businesses, a lot of people who wear a lot of hats, um, very resourceful. Uh, people understand they're, they're starting to get, get it in my injury that, that social media is, is integral to, to business right now. And they're adapting it and they're figuring it out. Um, you know, certainly, you know, 2020 excluded, you know, as more, as business becomes better, you know, and they don't have as much time. I think that's where they can start to think about hiring a social media manager. But I do think that there is room to become, you know, uh, a social media manager yourself. You know, you kind of take that on. That's what I did when in 2009, my boss was like, hey, I want you to learn social media for business. And I want you to execute, you know, the goals that I want here. And that's what I did. I didn't, you know, I didn't start my job with the idea that I was going to become a social media person, you know, here I am 11 years later, you know, and my title, I'm not a social media manager, but social media is part of what I do. It's, it's under the umbrella. Um, and I've become what I would consider an expert. I don't think I'm at your level, but certainly I'm somebody who has got a lot of knowledge and I never expected in a, in a million years to be, to be where I am at today. Um, I almost feel like social media manager is almost like a scary word because so many, I, like even I hear it and I'm like, ugh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> and yeah. I'm in this space. And, you know, <laughs> so I think a lot of people, you know, cause you get channel fatigue, right? Like there's too many choices. There's too many options. There's too many. What do I do here? What do I, what do I do with this? And so it feels scary. Right. Um, and, it, and what I try to do is simplify it because I think the thing people forget is social media really is two things. It's a way to broadcast your message and it's a way to stay in touch and communicate with potential audience members. And those are really the two things that it does. So if we really boil it down, you know, what is the message you're trying to get out there? And that pretty much sets you up for your entire content strategy. And then it's just a matter of posting it frequently. Um, 
or amplifying it with a paid budget if we're starting to add more layers. <laughs> um, or the second piece of it, which is the staying in touch with people is how do I you know, send you a direct message? Because people are people. Um, I don't know if you saw the recent article that came out like yesterday, it was about the big brands uh, kind of talking about mental health and McDonald's kicked things off with, you know, everybody asked me when the McRib is coming back, but nobody asked me how the social media person is doing today. I saw that, <laughs> but, yes. Like, behind the account. And yep. that's kind of how it, it feels. I think people forget that like, at the end of the day, brands are just a personification of the people behind them. And, you know, if we really kind of get get grounded in terms of all it is is just a vehicle of reaching out to more people it changes your mindset well said i i think that's perfectly said um you know social media manager you know like you said it's kind of scary you know um i think you know in 2020 there's a, there's a negative connotation with social media um you know but i think it's incredibly necessary um from a business perspective um you know and you need somebody there who is managing it. And it's, you know, social media manager. Um, Melissa, who's going to be in our call today, but she's not feeling well. Uh, she, that's her title. She's a social media manager. So she would have been all over that question. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, well, if it isn't social media looking all doom and gloom, the next will be a voice activation and like Siri running our life. <laughs> oh, man. And then, you know, AI. AI is coming down the pipe. So something oh, to look man. forward to. All right. So there are many tools out there. We use, we use the tools that, you know, we've been, you know, we've used probably many of the well-known ones. Um, so can you give some, you know, advice on, on some of the tools out there? So I'm going to ask as another question to this. Sure. Is what are we trying to accomplish and which channel? Because there's a lot of tools out there that do different things. Mm -hmm. And when I approach marketing technology and I'm looking at tools, I always match it to like, what am I trying to do? And can this make me more efficient? So like, is the dollar amount worth it because it's going to save me X amount of time? Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I think from um, an efficiency workflow, um, you know, a, a lot of people post a lot of content. You know, I think content is really what... Um, you know, I would start with uh, because my industry, people want to know how they can, you know, uh, manage their content, get it out there without them having to be there real time. Um, you know, I know that certain platforms natively have scheduling tools, Facebook, one of them. Um, but it's nice to have, you know, one place to go where you can just kind of, you know, push all that content, schedule now, you know, maybe take 10, 15 minutes a day, you know, schedule everything out, you know, maybe for the week, depending on, on what you're working workload is and then be done with it yeah i'm going to answer this in two parts so if we're speaking from a small business owner perspective then i would stick to the native tools schedule it out and not worry about it if i'm speaking from the aspect of you know a larger company who is a little more conscious about their presence across all channels and needs more channel specific strategy then i very much start to divert that and i actually don't like content scheduler tools um, the way that I typically approach posting with all of my clients is we'll stay native with Facebook and Instagram solely because, um, well, actually with Facebook, they're just starting to roll out uh, their new like scheduler platform with Instagram. Sure. But the reason I stay native with Facebook is because a lot of those little features like tagging a product, adding the messenger button, those features aren't released to third party tools. So if you're using something like a Buffer or Hootsuite or Sprout Social, you can't get those little like, I call them like little mini post upsells. Uh -huh. So like, you, so you can't get those interactions. 
Um, but if you're not looking to really use those features, you don't necessarily need to be concerned with it. Um, but I look at I look at those details. And then if I look at Instagram, my favorite tool for Instagram is Iconosquare, hands down. Um, they have really great, like, really great planning. You can see all the previews and they do a really great job with being able to add all those little post enhancements um, to it so you can optimize the post. And so I've, I've always loved their experience. Um, when I get into channels like Pinterest, I'll use tools like Tailwind app. Um, they allow you to do like Pinterest rescheduling. They allow you to do like pin from Instagram. So you can do a lot of cross channel pinning. So, so I really like their platform in that regard. But even Pinterest is making it easier to schedule out content and pins natively on their platform. Um, LinkedIn, I never recommend going to a third party tool. And the simple reason is because if I'm trying to tag another person in a post, their API won't let you do it. So I can use hashtags, but I can't tag other people. Um, and the benefit to tagging other people is they get notified if they're tagged in a post. And that's like a way to boost potential initial engagement. So does LinkedIn have right. a scheduler? They don't have a native scheduler, do they? No. I'm hoping it's coming because if you've seen all their like platform updates, they're basically becoming Facebook. So uh, I mean, I hope they don't become Facebook, but uh, fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean that's that's great advice. Now, you are you were like getting deep into the weeds there, and that and that's awesome. That's that's great knowledge for somebody you know at my level, at um, my um, coworkers level, um, but for somebody at the basic level. So you said what Hootsuite, Buffer, Buffer, Hootsuite, Sprout Social. I'd say at a very basic level, they all have great platforms that give you enough enough to manage it in, in a simple form. Right. Um, and um, what about um, analytics? Um, anyone that you think integrates analytics? Well, I know we used to use Hootsuite, but I think the analytics became pricey because you had to keep paying for additional uh, reports. So, you know, that was difficult for us. Yeah, that's another one I can go yeah. down a rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> we actually just started converting everything over into Google Data Studio okay. because you can get much more advanced, but you have to connect it through Supermetrics, so it gets costly pretty quickly. Um, but the insights you can gain are incredibly valuable. Now, that's definitely more at the advanced tier. So if I start walking that back, pretty much any platform you use to schedule content will provide you some baseline analytics. Um, so Sprout Social has some baseline analytics. Um, you know, even Facebook on their native platform, you can go to their insights and get some basic analytics. So all the channels at a basic level will provide you insights. It's just a question on like how deep down the rabbit hole do you want to get? Um, right. And what questions do you really want answered? Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing people miss is, is they look at things high level and they're like, oh, cool. We have a lot of impressions. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, what is right. it doing for your brand? Exactly. Um, are you really asking the right questions that it's going to move the needle forward in the strategic direction that you want to go? And, and so I think that's part of it that people will miss. Um, but, it, but at the end of the day, like every channel will give you some level of data. It's just, what do you do with it? Right, right, exactly. You have to understand what you're using the analytics for. So that's great advice. Again, we are talking to Taylor Gaines from Social Gains. She is a social media expert. So Let's get into our next question, which is a really, really good one. Um, so, um, they've all been good, Vincent. Well, thank you so much. I have a, a a great coworker who helped me craft these questions. Who's not here today, um, but she will listen to these if she's she'll be listening later. Hi, Melissa. 
Say hi. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. <laughs> Get well right, soon. So, so this is a question that Melissa deals with a lot. And that's, it's brand criticism on social media. Um, how important is it to have a plan in place to deal with the backlash? I think it's very important, but I think it's also important to understand what your stance is, right? Because because you, it's kind of like pick your battles. There's going to be people that want to troll you. There's going to be people that are going to be negative. Like that just exists. So I think it's an element of like pick your battles. You know, if it's something that you can recognize as like, oh, I can, you know, simply handle this. Maybe it's like some canned responses and maybe you have some policy in place. It's like, hey, if something comes across and it is skewed more negatively in sediment, you know, maybe it's some canned response, like, we're sorry you had a bad experience. Like, um, you know, maybe we can make it up to you or I don't know, but I think it's, it's all kind of rooted in pick your battles and keeping an eye, especially if something does go wrong and like what the potential severity this could have on the brand. Cause sometimes like things will go viral and then everybody forgets it tomorrow. Um, and it really had no impact on the brand and there's no need to like get into crisis management. Right. Um, but sometimes things happen and they are more serious and there does need to be more crisis management involved into it. So I think it's just a little bit of being able to identify that, understanding where you stand and what your positioning is and recognizing like, is this comment really going to be detrimental to me or is it something that I can like easily navigate? Um, I also lean towards the aspect of transparency. I think it's important that like if something does happen, own it. You know, I think we're all human at the end of the day. Nobody's perfect. Um, you know, mistakes do happen. And so I think being able to kind of fall on your sword and own it and just even do that publicly, I think people have more respect for that. Yeah, we're, we're big about that. Um, you know, I think one of my first podcasts, this was probably two years ago, we talked about uh, social customer service and owning up to any type of mistakes that you make, you know, just own it. You're like, hey, we, we messed up, we screwed up. And I think that goes a long way, not only for the people that, support you know support you but those who are like your competitors or who are against you they're like all right they they went in publicly and they said you know we messed up uh it's better than trying to you know just hope it goes away and and knock it in there um so what well, I, I actually think uh if you remember back in i think it was like early probably like early april the whole costco thing of, of rejecting the guy who didn't want to wear a mask and they were trying to defame them on social media and they're like, Costco sucks. And they're just like, you don't want to wear a mask and follow policy. Like then we don't want you here. And right. you know, they, they basically stood up for themselves and what they believe in. Cause they're like, we have a policy to protect our customers. And if you don't want to follow that, then you're not our customer. And, and I, I thought that, that was brilliant. That's really good. And I think that transitions to the next question. Like, you know, a, a brand, depending on who's managing the brand, right. They could take something very personally and they can, you know, come back at you in the same negative tone that you know somebody came at you can you give us a good example of a brand doing good customer service actually you probably already gave us an example but you know a couple more examples of good and bad customer service in social media yeah i think one that stands out for me um southwest so it's airlines they're notorious for this so airline approval rating especially from a brand perspective, Southwest has the highest brand approval rating, yep. but they're actually not ranked as the number one airline. So it's interesting. Mm -hmm. So I think Delta is actually number one in terms of, um, you know, 
most flights made on time, like best actual service, like for the actual things about the operations of airlines, Southwest isn't number one. Okay. But from a perception and a brand approval, Southwest has very, very high clout amongst, amongst the public simply because of how they handle customer service. And sure. there's one instance years ago, but it always stood out. There was something that happened like... It was like mechanical failure and a bunch of people were stranded. It was at LAX and, um, you know, it was technical things were going to happen, right? Like the world's not going to always run the way we want it right. to. Of course. <laughs> Hence 2020. <laughs> I thought my life was going to be very different this year, but, uh, <laughs> um, <We didn't. laughs> right. But, you know, everybody was tweeting at them and they were like, I'm hungry. I'm annoyed. Like da, da, da. So what they did is they actually sent pizza to all the people who were super angry and everyone was like, whoa, you guys just sent us pizza? Like, this is super cool. And so, and I, and the last I read, this was a while ago, but they, Southwest purposely employs about 30 people just to manage social media conversation and just to look for things like um, because they want to keep the approval rating really high. And it, it's, it's their version of like, hey, you know, yeah, we had a mechanical failure. We're sorry. Here's some pizza. And people were like, okay. <laughs> they're like that's awesome i love you now right yeah they're like great i got free food i will stop complaining on twitter <laughs> that's awesome so what about an example of of poor customer service do you have any off the top Ooh. of your head i'd say my favorite examples of poor customer service are rooted in when brands try to use automation but they don't know what they're doing Ooh, yes and I don't know if you remember the Bank of America one um, a while back where they ended up getting trolled through their automation on Twitter. So what they tried to do, and I know what they tried to do, they tried to look at it as like automation could be a use case for efficiency and helping to offload the need to hire sure. someone to manage the conversation. That's what they were thinking. But what they weren't thinking is... Will this become so predictable that people will figure it out and it actually does us a disservice? Sure. And this is also, too, when automation was still fairly new. So it wasn't as advanced as it is today. And brands can manage those things a little more efficiently because of the way that how we can set up chatbots today are, are very different. Um, so I just remember there was a whole thing about their Twitter feed and the guy just starts like keeps tweeting at them and it's still like the same response. And that part right. went viral. And I'm like, well, you had good intentions sure. you know, at the end of the day it didn't really go as planned right it's not malicious that wasn't a malicious case it was just you know you know you were a victim of circumstance that was just one of those things where somebody figured out what was going on and it just they kept asking you questions getting the same response um yeah that's funny um what do you think about brands that do humor i love humor personally um a lot of the bigger brands i know they purposely hire comedic writers uh, that's oh speaking of the resume thing that's the thing i think a lot of people don't realize about the team structure of how people go about hiring for social media um so i know wendy's they purposely hire comedians and so and that's all they do is they're comedians who can write really funny copy and that's their objective and so you know if we look at like a general social media manager I mean, not everyone's going to be a comedian, right? Like, I think I'm funny sometimes, but not everybody laughs at my jokes. <laughs> and so, you know, it's it's a matter of, again, like, where does that skill set fall? And so I'm always a fan of humor, but at the same time, when you're on a neutral platform and it's all baked into the, the potential context of what the other person is receiving it as, you have to be very, very careful. And that's where I think comedians know how to navigate that. But an everyday human, you can get yourself into trouble pretty quickly if you're like, well, I thought that was funny. But then 
no one else agrees with you. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think, um, you know, there's a time and a place to try to be funny. Um, you know, if you're dealing with trolls, um, you know, depends on what they're saying. You know, I think you can go in there and kind of be funny, um, but you have to be careful. You really do. You have to understand, you know, the right time to do it the wrong and the wrong time to do it. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe. I'm like, just stay away from politics, stay away from religion, just stay away from anything that like people can react negatively to. Right. Um, and I always ask the question, like even today, like before I post anything, I'm always asking like, what could go wrong if I click post? <laughs> and <laughs> so I'm always asking that. And, you know, I've had a couple instances where I've had my fair share of, you know, people took it wrong and I sent them direct messages. And I was like, hey, I'm really sorry that you didn't understand the intent of my post. And I'd like the opportunity to explain to you what I actually meant by this. And it resulted in really great discussions and, um, you know, had the opportunity to like explain the intent behind, you know, the context in which they didn't fully understand. And everything turned out okay. But, you know, it's like, nobody's perfect. And even I run into those issues. So <laughs> definitely we, we, we have a great conversation going, um, but we got to wrap it up soon. So I have a couple more questions for you. Um, and this one is kind of applies to like really more small businesses. Like uh, just think about a company that's just starting out. You know, do, do you feel like they should be on all platforms when, when they're putting their social media um, or they're putting their business on social media? And if not, like which platforms should they be on? I love this question. Um, again, I go back to time, money, resources. So when you're just starting out and you're very, very lean in terms of how much time you potentially have, or maybe you have more time, but you don't have enough money. Um, I get very strategic in terms of like, pick one. I honestly just say pick one, maybe two. Um, and also look at like, where is your audience and where is going to be the best chance you have to reach them? And that's going to be different whether you're in B2B or B2C or B2B2C and depending on who you're trying to reach. So if you're clear on who that customer is, pick the channel where I'd say 85% of them are and invest your time solely in cultivating a community on that channel. Um, the way that I would kind of summarize that is your goal in the early stage is to build momentum because momentum will drive every other channel forward. So if you can build momentum on one channel and then you get to a point where you can then launch another channel, then you can take the momentum you have from the first channel and say, hey, we're now expanding into this channel. So I almost look at it as like, think about it as like market expansion, right? Like when you're going to market, you're probably gonna have a smaller sample test of people that you're going to engage with. So social media is kind of the same is you're going to market on social media, pick like the sample place that you want to spend your time and invest time cultivating it, building it, engaging with people and really getting into the weeds there. And then you can start to expand out. So when you're diving into something that already has a diluted conversation, the goal at that stage is to start to capture your share of that. And then you can start to take that and say, okay, I've captured some share of this particular conversation on this particular channel. Now I want to expand that outwards and start to increase my market share of how much conversation that I own and control. That's a great answer. Um, you know, I think a knee-jerk reaction from a lot of businesses, well, first, they don't even have a strategy when they uh, get out on social media, is that they have to be on multiple ones. And, and you know, I see these dormant, accounts and it, I just scratch my head you know it's like oh you haven't tweeted since 2017 you haven't posted something on Facebook um, you know since 2012 and I'm like w you know you, you need to do something about that you know if you're going to 
you know, do it, have a plan and do it right. Even if you have to just start with one, I'm, I'm a big believer that you have to have a Facebook page. I don't care what business you are, what industry you're in. It start, almost serves like a digital yellow pages to me. Like, you know, people will go on Facebook and kind of search for you and if they can't find your business. You know, some people are like, Oh, well, I'll find somebody else on, on Facebook. That's kind of how I believe. But, you know, again, I think there's a lot of opportunity based on, like you said, where your, where are your customers, you know, you know, find out if it's a younger audience, you know, maybe Instagram is, is, is where your potential customers are. You know, Facebook is, is an older audience. My mother who's 75 <laughs> years old or whatever she, she loves Facebook. That's where she spends so much of her yeah. time, you know? Well, it's a great point you bring up. Um, you know, I, I do agree that you should have your presence set up everywhere because you want to be discoverable, right? but don't spend your time cultivating something because you'll spread yourself too thin. Very good distinction there. I think that's perfect, perfectly said because yes, have a presence. You could be dormant in your, in your approach to content, um, in your use of the network, but have a presence, have your contact information. Here's my phone number. Um, you know, and I'm a big believer in a Facebook business page. If you have, um, you know, brand advocates, people who love your business, have them go to Facebook and have them, you know, rate your your company, you know, like give me five stars, you know, like, you know, you had a great experience, go there. You know, that certainly helps because when I'm looking into a business, I will go to the Facebook page and I will look at their, you know, uh, their ratings. So, you know, it's something that you absolutely should definitely do uh, in 2020. And if it's not where your main communication channel is, just pin a post and say, hey, if you want to actually talk to me, here's where to reach me. There you go. Um, Because again, like to the earlier point of people forget it's a communication vehicle. Like if that's not where you're spending your time and your energy, like monitoring notifications and staying on top of that, just let people know. Just say, hey, if you really want to get a hold of us for customer service, call me. Or if you really want to like, you know, talk to me, send me a DM on Instagram. Um, I think for a good while, even on my own social media, because I'm in the marketer's paradox, right? Because <laughs> I never have right. time for my own stuff. Yeah, you know, I just put LinkedIn is where I'm active. If you want to get a hold of me, like contact me here. I'm like, you're right. not going to reach me on Twitter. You just won't. Taylor, one last question. Uh, I'm going to hit you with a fun question. Well, all right. Fun. So it's a fill in the, be- in the blank question. Um, I have become really good at blank in 2020. Ooh. That's a tough one. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did spend my quarantine reverse engineering uh, LinkedIn lead generation and automation. So I do have a course coming out on that, actually. Um, so. I guess I became really good at uh, reverse engineering the things that people try to sell me on, on platforms that I know better than they do. Well, that's interesting. If I was asked this question, I would have said piano because I started taking piano lessons. We have a (laughs) piano and my daughter takes lessons. And I was like, you know what? I want to do lessons too now because everything's remote. Everything's right here. And I just started playing the piano. I'm not great at it, you know, but I've never thought in my life I would have the opportunity to learn a piano. So I'm getting really I guess good I did that. start cooking a little bit, but then for some reason, I always end up with people in my life who are just like basically chefs. And so I'm just like, well, so much for learning. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think I'm really good at eating and drinking wine. What <laughs> do you say that? I just interviewed someone last week and I asked the same question. She said, eating. <laughs> I've become really good at eating. I, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people I follow on social media um, since the pandemic started, 
posting all these things that they're cooking, you know, they're, they're cooking pastries, they're cooking all kinds of elaborate meals. And it's, you know, it's, it's some, it's something I think it's easy to do, you know, your home, your quarantine gardening was, was very popular over the summer, but you know, eating, gardening, cooking, there you go. <laughs> I think I have a, another like weird way to answer that question. Um, I've also become really good at just remembering that we're all human and not to be so like business minded all the time and just to get back into like, hey, I posted something yesterday. I'm like, hey, it's okay to not be okay. You know, like if we actually need to talk and, you know, it doesn't have to be business all the time. And so even with business associates, I feel like I've formed a lot of deeper bonds with people that I already had great bonds with. I, you know, they called them my friends, my acquaintances. There are people that, you know, I I value dearly. Um, But I feel throughout this pandemic, I've had deeper conversations with them that I probably wouldn't have had. And I feel that they've become more like family. And that's a great point. I think that's a lot of what the communication has been in my industry, the B2B industry is just, clients, you know, reaching out to your clients and having human discussions. It's not about selling right now. It's about, hey, how are you doing? You know, um, making sure that your clients are okay mentally because it, it this is, I hate to use this cliched word, but it's unpre- unpre- unprecedented times that we're in, you know. Nobody alive has experienced what we're experiencing. Like, you know, think about the pandemic in 1917, 1918, whatever it was. It's a hundred and some years ago, you know. If you were alive then, you're, you don't remember it. Um, so we're, we're in a place where, you know, it's weird, you know, it's unfamiliar. It's scary. Oh yeah. So, 100%. um, okay. I got to throw this out there because, you know, we have a few more minutes. Why not anything that you binged in Ooh, 2020? Too many things. I actually, I was like all of Netflix. I think I, uh, I, can think <laughs> I, I completed Netflix. Um, <laughs> I got to the end of the internet. I got I'm done yeah. with Netflix, yeah. I completed Netflix and I signed up for Hulu. Um, <laughs> I, I binge a lot of good shows. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, kind of like true crimes, unsolved mysteries, uh, things like that. Um, I, I, but I'm also like a fan of kind of those kind of old school style documentaries or docuseries. So I'm like, there's too many good things that I watched. But the one I just watched recently, I binged over the weekend, was uh, The Queen's Gambit. Okay. Uh, it was all about um, this female chess player. Like, basically, she's a prodigy and is competing against in a male world. Um, okay. But it was a very good film, and and uh, I thought I thought it was very well done, and I I thoroughly enjoyed that series. Oh, it was a series, not a film. Right, it was a series. But it's an easy week, easy weekend binge. I think it was like eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so it's done. You, you can it's, get through it. It's in like done. A Sunday. Like, you're not. There's not another season coming out, or is it? um it's done at least for right now okay (laughs) so i don't know if there's going to be another one um i also just binged the emily in paris uh, but i found out their their season two is is on hold right now because of covid and production most of them are the the future of content is going to be interesting it's going to be a back to home videos and i think (laughs) really low budget production and i think that's okay i think we're going to see a lot of um innovation and ingenuity coming from the uh, film industry because they have no choice. Um, I'm a big fan of Ozark. I binged it, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I heard all the, you know, the reviews and people loved it. And I never watched it. And then my wife and I, we did, I forget how many seasons, three or four. We did it in a couple months. Um, and it's very, very addicting. It's compelling. It's, it's like, oh, my God. You know, every time you think it can't get any crazier, it gets crazier. And then I'm like, oh, we got to watch the next one. We got to watch the next one. We got to watch the next one. Next thing you know, 
or out of episodes and they're not they're not even going to film the next season i think until you know next year so you're looking at 2022 the earliest for the next oh my mm-hmm. god it's like i'm gonna have to rewatch everything just so i know what's going on um, i know that's like the worst part about it i'm like what happened two years I know. ago <laughs> I know. well taylor thank you so much for spending an hour of your time with me today this has been a, a great conversation um you know it's nice to talk with somebody um who understands the value of social media um like i do you know i've been i've been pushing it for years on how important it is to your company um so you know this has been great insight before we go do you want to you know uh Give yourself a little bit of a plug, a final thought, go for it. Sure. Um, so at Social Games, we're uh, starting to pivot into education and e-learning, which I'm really excited about. So as I've mentioned throughout the course of this podcast, um, time, money, resources are things that I'm very passionate about in terms of educating business owners how to be very strategic, how to maximize Um, their margins, how to generate an ROI, and really kind of get granular in terms of the things that they really need to know in order to be successful today um, and really be able to navigate those. Uh, I like to say being on the agency side of it, running an agency, I know where all the bodies are buried. So I'm just going to help other business owners dig those up. (laughs) um, So I'm really excited. I'm, I'm actually launching my first LinkedIn course, and it's all it's going to be around um, how to apply automation to business development on LinkedIn. Um, so you can understand the different scenarios of whether or not you should look at like outsourcing it to a LinkedIn Legion service, um, what types of solutions like all in one platforms might you want to consider or how to do it yourself. And I'll be walking you through exactly like what my tech stack is, what I pay for every month and how I'm able to be incredibly efficient, incredibly lean with how I approach uh, business development for myself as a sales team party of one. Um, so, so I'm really excited about that. And then I'll have a series of other courses, uh, coming out that, um, I'd say helps really simplify social media so business owners can be a little more strategic and really understand like how they should approach it, um, you know, alongside the, the executional services that we, that we still provide every day. So, uh, that's up and coming and I'm super excited that should probably launch next week. Awesome. Um, and what is your, uh, website socialgains.com socialgains.com all right go check taylor gains out on her website um so for taylor i'm vinnie we'll see you next time on the social angle